Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... calling you, hey, come with me, read my book, listen to what I'm saying, it's something new, it's something fresh. Loved ones, be very careful. What did Solomon tell us? There is nothing new under the sun. So as soon as they tell you it's new, head for the door. Oh, it's a new method, it's a new model, it's a new thing, get out of town. Because before you know it, Christ and him crucified is not important as it was before. In Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul has been talking about followers of Jesus who are drifting from the path. Now he's going to take the boxing gloves off and show us how false teachers are more than willing to come in and exploit those that are new to the faith or those who are drifting from the faith. While the Apostle Paul's warning to the deceiving false teachers is stern and direct, we also see the Apostle Paul's pastor's heart towards the deceived and his desire for them to return to the truth. This is a message for everyone. Here's Pastor Jim. So what does it do to the church? What does it do to the body of Christ when we are infected with these false doctrines, these extreme doctrines from one side to the other? What he tells us in verse 9, a little leaven, some versions say yeast, leavens or works through the whole lump. So bread does not rise does not grow bigger unless you put a little bit of yeast in the dough. But you don't need a lot. You only need a very little bit. In the Old Testament, during the time of Passover, the people of God made unleavened bread. Leaven was symbolic of sin, so what they would do was they would try to get all of the leaven out of the house. Symbolic of getting all of the sin out of the house. The false teaching that's going on in Galatia, the divisions, the sin that comes out of when you think you're saved by your own works, when you start trusting in yourself, he is saying is like yeast in dough. It grows and it grows and it grows. And when it comes into a church, it actually starts destroying the church from the inside out and it actually starts destroying souls. So the yeast he's talking about here is the false teaching. But we have to be very, very, very careful because it spreads very easily and you can easily buy it at the Christian bookstore and online all kinds of Christian booksellers will sell you all kinds of stuff. Some of the most popular books that are out there are some of the worst stuff. And some of it is carried around and sold, carried around by solid Christians and sold at solid Christian conferences. We have to be very, very careful, very careful of such stuff because it only takes a little bit It only takes a little bit of leaven, a little bit of yeast to spoil or to work through 
the whole lump. That stuff spreads very easy with us when we are discontented in our faith, when we are discontented with the way life is going. All right, let me just be as honest as I can. Life is brutally hard. It's brutally hard for everyone. Some people are drinking their way through it. Some people are drugging their way through it. Some people are sexing their way through it. But at the end of the day, it is brutally hard for everyone. It is full of heartache. It is full of difficulty. When you become a discontented, undisciplined Christian, you become targets for false teaching because you'll be looking for something different. Who do false teachers target? Well, they target people who are discontented, as I just said. They target people who are new. They target people who want positions. Oh, you know, follow me, I'll give you a position. They target people who are fragile. They target rich people who are making lots of money and they're so busy making so much money, they have no time to study the word of God. They're calling you, hey, come with me, read my book, listen to what I'm saying, it's something new, it's something fresh. Loved ones, be very careful. What did Solomon tell us? There is nothing new under the sun. So as soon as they tell you it's new, head for the door. Oh, it's a new method, it's a new model, it's a new thing, get out of town. Because before you know it, Christ and him crucified is not important as it was before. Christ and him crucified is then somehow added to, or Christ and him crucified, a true preaching of the cross and resurrection as the only way that we can be saved, that there is no other name under heaven by which a man or woman can be saved, soon that stuff will cease to exist or it's just a tag on at the end of the sermon so they can say they were giving the gospel. Verse 10 tells us where it leads to. He says, I have confidence in you in the Lord. Now, what's his confidence? I believe in you, is that's what he's saying? No, he's saying, I believe in God's sovereignty in this one. My confidence is in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. Another version says you will have no other view of what? That they will come back to the truth of the gospel? That they will return? That they see the danger of the false teaching? Probably all of those things and more. But he who troubles you, another version says, but the one that's throwing you into confusion shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. So the Apostle Paul seems confident that the Galatians will see the truth and return to it. However, however, I can tell you from watching it happen with so many people over the years, the return can be very painful. Because when you go out and you turn your back on the word of the Lord, when you turn your back on Jesus, when you turn your back on your Christian friends and, and the church that you have, that's teaching you the word, sometimes you go out and you do things that you are going to regret for the rest of your life. And God will always take you back and he will wipe the slate clean. The problem is we have trouble wiping the slate clean, isn't it? Yeah, we struggle with that. And it is very painful. And I gotta tell you, I admire his confidence because I always don't have it. Sometimes I see people walk away and I'm thinking, oh boy, oh boy, are they ever going to return? 
But notice how he distinguishes between the deceived and the deceiver. Both are in a bad place, but it's worse for the false teacher. Before you want to get up and do what I do, trust me, read James 3.1. People who do what I do will undergo a stricter judgment. That's why I stay tethered to the text. I want to be able to say to God, I know you know, people were saying to me Sunday, what a great sermon. They were like, that was amazing. And I was like, I was just ripping off Jesus' material, please. <laughs> Don't give me any credit at all. I was just ripping him off blindly and feeling his glory. So, so it's worse off for the false teacher. It appears there's some sort of a ringleader, and this guy will have to answer to God for it someday. Now, as a student of the Bible, I am very thankful that God will judge false teachers. I am very thankful that God will judge cult leaders, not to mention all of the incredible liberal theology which is overrunning the church in America right now. And God is going to judge all of that. But as a follower of Jesus, and more so, I guess, as a pastor, just the weird stuff that God does with a pastor's heart, I am grieved at how many souls these jokers are ruining along the way. At how many people's walk with Christ are being ruined because they're just being lied to. They're being told that just, you know, do this ritual and it will be okay. They're being told it doesn't matter if how you live your life. God's going to forgive you anyway. God loves you and not calling you to live a life that shows that you love God or people telling you that you're always supposed to be rich. Well, if you're rich, God bless you. If you're not, God bless you. Or that you're never supposed to be sick. You're never supposed to suffer. I don't know about you, but when I picture my Savior on a cross, I picture suffering. Don't you picture suffering? And so all the people that these people are ruining all along the way, telling people what they want to hear or trying to line their own pockets, and yet... And yet how many people you meet and they know their church is off. They know it's off. They know it's wrong. And they think, oh, well, the leaders are going to take all the blame. Not so. Not so at all. We are called to be Bereans from the book of Acts. They listened to the Apostle Paul preach and he praised them because they went home, they got their noses in their Bibles, to see if the things that he said to them were true. Now, as we move to verse 11 and 12, the Apostle Paul is going to get very personal. And to understand what he's saying, we have to go back just for a second, not for a long time, to that confusing Isaac and Ishmael passage. Remember that one? We have to go back to that for a second. He said, Galatians 4.29, he says, But as he who was born according to the flesh, remember that was Ishmael, who was born of sin, he said, then he, the one born of sin, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. That was Isaac, who was born according to the promise. He says, even so it is now. What is the Apostle Paul saying? Remember, we use the application that people will be that way towards us. But the Apostle Paul is saying, that is what is happening to me now. The people of the flesh, the people of the works, the people of sin, the people of the circumcision are telling you bad things about me 
because I'm telling you about the promises of God. So that makes sense when we look at verse 11. He says, And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision. Now, that's probably the accusation that's going on there. They're probably saying, listen, here's the deal. Paul's out of town. Then the false teachers are coming in and say, listen, here's the deal, man. He preaches circumcision when it suits him. So he comes into this Gentile town, and he doesn't want to talk about it. But when he goes into the local synagogue, then he speaks about it somewhat differently. He says, if I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? He's saying, no, that what they're telling you is not true. Then the offense, then the scandalon, does that word sound familiar to you? Then the scandalon of the cross has ceased. He's saying, if I preach works, then the scandal of the cross, the offensive nature of the cross is no longer there. We'll talk about what that is in a minute. And then, and then verse 12, a lot of people find offensive and over the top. But let's remember, the Holy Spirit lit it in the Bible. And people say, oh, the Bible is never vulgar. Oh yeah, listen to this. He says, I could wish that those who trouble you about what? Circumcision would even cut themselves off. Not from talking. <laughs> Another version says, I wish they would just mutilate themselves. The idea is I wish they would just go all the way and castrate themselves. Now you say, that's a little harsh. Listen to what Martin Luther's translation was. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. His was along the lines of this. I would like to see those who disturb you let the knife slip while they're circumcising themselves. It's possible the false teachers were saying, again, forget the Apostle Paul. He tells the Jews to be circumcised because it's well known. Remember at the beginning of Galatians, we said Titus, who was a Gentile, went with him to meet the apostles in Jerusalem, and he was not circumcised. But it was also known that if somebody was a Jew, the Apostle Paul would be willing to circumcise them. Timothy was half Jewish and he was circumcised then. And so they would say that he's talking out both sides of his mouth. He's the false teacher. He's telling some people to be circumcised and others not to be. But remember 1 Corinthians 9.20, he says, I became a Jew to win Jews. When I spoke to Jewish people, I talked to them like a Jew so I could speak to them from their perspective so they could understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm not a big fan of these courses that you take. It's good to understand the gospel, but you have a dialogue that you have with people. And you say, well, I'll ask you this question. And when you respond this, then I say this. So you say, well, you know, if you were to die tonight, are you sure you would go to heaven? And somebody in their 50s and 60s goes, well, yes, I would because I'm a good person. Somebody in their 20 goes, I don't believe in that junk, right? And what are you gonna say? No, you're not supposed to answer that. <laughs> you're supposed to say I'm a good person. So you have to know the gospel 
but to know these rehearsed skits that they teach don't work because so many people have so many different answers. And so he was careful in the synagogues not to offend the Jews on certain rites and certain rituals. The false teachers would say that's inconsistent. And the Apostle Paul's saying, no, that's insane. If I was compromising, if what you're saying was true, then why are the Jews that are one that are persecuting me? Yes, I talk to them from their angle. I talk to them from a Jewish perspective, but then what did I do? I got the flag up to the top of the pole and I told them about the cross of Jesus Christ and they were offended. The apostle preached the gospel of free grace, which is what brought about the persecution. And so he says to the false teachers and their followers, if you are so sure that God saves through circumcision, then why don't you just cut the whole thing off? Then why don't you just castrate yourself? Now, before you judge that language, remember the Christian universities. Remember the Christian colleges that were cut off. Remember the denominations that have been cut off. Remember all the different people who have been cut off from Christianity. John Stott said this, I venture to say that if we were as concerned for God's church and God's word as Paul was, we too would wish that false teachers might cease from the land. Now, is Paul using sanctified sarcasm here? I would say that he is. Is he literally telling them to castrate themselves? No, he's not. Is what he's saying theological? Very much so, very much so. As a matter of fact, in the ancient world, that was a contemporary pagan practice. Deuteronomy 23 said that if the Lord's people did that, they would be cut off from the people of God. And the apostle Paul would say, but you know what? You're cut off from the people of God anyway because that's what you're doing. When you cut yourself off from the grace of God, you cut yourself off from the people of God and from God himself. In Philippians, the apostle Paul called these people the people of the mutilation. He called them dogs, and dogs were not pets. They were scavengers, wild scavengers running the streets. Did the apostle Paul hate the idea of circumcision? No. He hated the false teaching that it was a works-based theology, and that's how you are saved. Today, the Apostle Paul would be saying the same things about different things to some of us. He'd be saying, stop thinking that those rituals that you do save you. And before we pick on the people who, you know, do some of those rituals and like they'll say, well, I'm saved because I was baptized. No, you're not. Well, I was saved because I made my confirmation. No, you're not. I'm saved because I read my Bible every day. No, you're not. I'm saved because I walked the aisle and Bubba, remember Bubba Buford's tent revival. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm saved because I go to church. No, you're not. You are saved by Christ alone through faith alone. You are saved only if you put your trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so the apostle Paul was persecuted. Why? Let's put it in our vernacular. He walked up to people and he said, 
Have you heard the news? Oh, really, what news? God does not help people who help themselves. Oh, no, it's in the Bible. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. And God doesn't help people who helps themselves. And that offends most people. That is the offense of the cross. Are you saying, I'm not gonna go to heaven? I'm a good person. And in being a good person, are you saying that's not enough to get me into heaven? Yes, that's what I'm saying. I'm offended at that. I knew you would be. <laughs> that's the offense of the cross. It's funny, people expect Christians to be perfect. That's unrealistic. We are sinners. We are sinners saved by grace. Hopefully we're becoming more like the message as the years go by, but we are sinners saved by grace. But <laughs> we're still offending people because our message is offensive. And a Christian with good theology is far more offensive than someone who ticks somebody off for something that they did. Your friends are mad at you, you did something wrong. You're a Christian, you should know better than that. They're offended. Wait till you tell them that they can only go to heaven by trusting in Jesus. They'll soon forget what you did before. They will be way more offended at that because when you tell them that people only go to heaven by the grace of God found in the person of Jesus Christ. The cross of Christ is an offensive stumbling block to anyone who thinks they can contribute to their own salvation. People will say things to you like, are you saying I'm not good enough? Well, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. Now, stop telling people they need Jesus and watch the persecution decrease. Maybe now you're following Jesus and you're newer to this thing or, or you've been a Christian for a long time, but now the word is popping for you. It is coming alive for you. And it used to be, you know, go to the party, you know, throw down a six pack of cold ones with your best bro, you know, just talk about all kinds of weird stuff and listen to his perverted stories and his dumb jokes and you would laugh at them. And now you're going to the party. You're saying, you know what? I'm not gonna sit here and drink in front of this guy. I don't wanna give him any ammunition. The door opens for you to tell somebody about Jesus and watch the persecution come. But then go back to the old way and it will stop. It will stop. No, oh, good, you, you've returned back to reality. And the reality is, is that people really hate God. They're enemies of God and they hate his grace. But God didn't call us to that. He called us to make an effectual call to people to tell people that the only way to have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life is to repent and believe, to turn to God and put your trust in Jesus Christ and you will be saved because of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You will be saved by putting your trust in the life of another, not in your own life. Now here's where I come to a difficult spot. Do I continue? <laughs> Verse 13 begins the life in the spirit section of the book of Galatians. Let's call it the practical application section. And it's also going to answer for us two key questions. The questions are this. If you take the law away, what happens to obeying the word of the Lord? And if you take the law away, won't people do whatever they want? The Apostle Paul's answer is quite simple, no. 
Why? Because of the person and power of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do for the Christian? Let's think of the old illustration like this. He is the tracks that keeps the train on course. Thank you for listening to Change by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? Changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray that you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching through God's Word with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.